Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked on Canadians, we are going to recap the Habs Saturday night battle against the Oilers, and then it's diving in to three up and three down. You are Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 993 of Locked On Canadians, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast. Or if you are on YouTube, you can subscribe to us there, watch this on video. And today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more right now because new customers can get $150 in bonus bets Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. As you will notice, I am the only person here if you are watching this on YouTube. My co-host is away for the week, so it is just me. I am your host, Scott Matla, as always. You can follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter, at Scott Matla, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-T-L-A. Highlights, insanity, and more. Uh whatever is your speed and we got a we got a great show kind of planned out today and by we i mean i because i got up and did this while watching soccer this morning on sunday uh we're gonna get into joshua was nhl debut against the oilers in an overtime loss we're gonna get into the three up and three down who's been struggling this week who's been on the rise and honestly despite the habs losses i've got some good feelings going into things there uh, so we're going to get into that second segment. And the third segment is, of course, all our risers. We've got AHL All-Stars. We've got veterans stepping up. We've got top prospects stepping up after the World Juniors. All that and more coming on later in the show here. But let's get right into things here. Montreal Canadiens played on Saturday night after. And I, I'm not going to hesitate to say their worst loss of the season to the San Jose Sharks on Thursday night. They lost 3-2 to the Sharks. And I know they had a late time or a late goal from Josh Anderson to make it look closer than it was but they were never in that game. They came out against the Oilers, and I got to say, uh, about as good as you could hope from the Canadians in a game where you have, did you know it was Connor McDavid's birthday? It's all that they mentioned in the lead-up to the game there, uh, that the Oilers are uh, were on the cusp of a fran- their first 10-game winning streak in franchise history. This is a team that is suddenly flying now, and I'm not going to say it's because of their goaltending. I'm going to say it's because Connor McDavid got healthy and the shooting percentages regressed in the right way and they stopped losing games. Still paper tigers. Very, very scary paper tigers, but paper tigers nonetheless in the Western Conference. The Habs actually opened the scoring first in this one. First period power play. Nick Suzuki threads a great diagonal pass to Cole Caulfield. Caulfield has Stuart Skinner out of position. Absolutely rifles one by him. Perfect goal, exactly what you want to see from that unit. And then it was a lot of one too many passes, one too many passes, one too many passes. The Habs got a little bit lucky. Oilers hit a couple of posts uh, before. They did eventually open the scoring on a play where a Warren Fogle flyby kind of tripped the puck onto the top of Samuel Montembeau's skate and pad, like right where that toe is, along the post there. Leon Dreisaitl comes in, pokes the puck off his pad and into the net. 
Uh, Martin St. Louis challenged for goaltender interference because Fogel skated through the blue paint, took Montembeau's arm out there and didn't kind of allow him to reset. Kind of made sense from a challenge standpoint, but unfortunately, no good. And honestly, I kind of kept waiting for the Oilers to do the thing they always do. They just break a game open eventually, and then the goals come in a, a, a wave in this game here. Uh, it never actually came. This game ended regulation 1-1, thanks in part to Samuel Montembeau being nothing short of incredible once again. Uh, I He's going to get a special shout-out as well in uh, the three-up section later on at the, in the show here. Uh, he faced 41 shots, finished with a 951 save percentage against the Oilers there. He, get, he ends up getting the overtime loss. The Oilers started overtime on a power play, got nothing out of it, and then we're given another power play in overtime. And the shot that Montembeau faced hit the post behind him, wasn't going to go in as he's trying to position to, you know, look for it coming back off the post and out. It headed at, it hit at such an angle, it hits Montembeau in the back, goes in the net. Oilers win 2-1. Uh, in a game that was frustrating because, no, the Canadians were not probably the better team overall, but... It was a game that I am watching this and going, the Habs were in it, and then the minute the Oilers were allowed to kind of do whatever they wanted to Habs players without repercussions, they they just started doing that. There were holds and hooks and things that just... Adam Ernie hit a dude who wasn't within 10 feet of a puck in front of a ref, and they just kind of decided, no, that's okay. That's not interference. Some of the things that were called in this game were soft. Some of them were not called at all. It wasn't an egregious thing where blatant things leading to goals were missed. It's the kind of game where so many little things happened that they added up to one just regular problem. Uh, Habs getting a point out of this, it's both good and frustrating is that I thought the Habs had every opportunity to win this game as well. Uh, that top line with Slavkovsky, Colin. Uh, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki still looks very good. There's a heavy, heavy dose of one deke too many, one attempted pass too many, one, you know, move too many. I don't want to be the guy banging on the glass yelling, shoot, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. But sometimes I just want Uri Slavkovsky to shoot the puck. He, I watched him tonight add more dekes around sticks and dangles to get into better positions where he then tries to force another pass or another move. Sometimes just simplify it and take the shot. It'll probably turn out just as good. Uh, the big news for this game though, Joshua makes his NHL debut and I haven't actually looked at uh, the full numbers for this game yet, just because it ended so late last night. Yes. The Canadians got, you know, pummeled in this game. I thought defensively they had sticks in every lane, but getting to the main point here, I'm going to check our total five-on-five five time on ice here. Led by David Savard, which not usually what you want to see. Uh, Joshua played 11 minutes at even strength. That was fifth least on the team. Brendan Gallagher played 10:51, but also I assume had uh, penalty kill time and everything added into there. Overall, Joshua played 13 minutes and three seconds. Uh, above only the fourth line. Pazetta played 531. Mitchell Stevens played 727. Jesse Olinen played eight minutes. 
Uh, yes, Yolanen finished the game in all situations with a 66% Corsi 4 and an expected goals for of 91.23%. So why he isn't playing more, I don't know. Not, not the time for me to launch into that right now. But I, I, I was worried what they were going to do with Juan his debut. They called him up Friday night. I didn't get a chance to watch the Moose or the Rocket Moose game on Friday night just because I was at a work event and I was on Saturday, so I missed part of that game. But from what I was told, Joshua Wah, despite not getting points on the scoreboard, uh, looked to cut above the other players on the ice there. And I think with Kent Hughes and everyone coming into town to watch this week, they saw a lot of what they liked. It was only a matter of time, and they put him right into a top six role. Josh Anderson is on uh, the injured list again. For how long? I don't know. But I, uh, I'm happy to see that he got his chance. I don't know why he changed his jersey number to 89. I, he wore 32 in his first preseason with the Habs, switched to 97, and is now wearing uh, 89. And my new headcanon is Oilers complain that there can't be two 97s in one game on Connor McDavid's birthday. Whether that's actually true or not, I don't know. It's definitely not. Let's be honest. I'm making that up on the spot at quarter after 11 on Sunday in Allentown, Buffalo here. Uh it's a frustrating loss, but the Habs continue to frustrate and really push teams that are much better than them in the uh, standings here. I look at like the Vegas game, the Boston games. They've played these teams really, really tough, and that's what you want from a team that is not going to make the playoffs. But if you can push these good teams, even if you don't win and you're showing that progress that we're going to stick with these good teams, we're going to make them work for it, that's great. And Guess what? They've got another challenge on Monday. Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche are coming into town. The Abs are terrifying right now. They came back against Toronto, scored five straight goals, won that game. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's on a heater that is actively warming the earth at this point. Uh, I'll be really interested to see how this Habs games go. They usually play the Abs close, but if they're not on their game, this one gets out of hand in a hurry. I know that the Avs goal attending hasn't been where it needs to be this season, but their offense is just clicking on another level. It looks like they're mostly healthy at this point in their top six. Going to be a scary one there, but I'll have your recap and everything after the game on Monday with that. However, it is now our Monday debut episode. That means three up and three down, and we're going to start with the downs coming up next. And as I mentioned off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by the fine folks at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up. The playoffs are in full swing right now, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app's super easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet depending on what you're looking for. You can do your same game parlays. You can go into the parlay hub to find the most popular ones amongst other bettors right now. Find new bets in the explore tag to see what you are looking for and find that and so much more. And when you win, you can cash out instantly on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and us here at Locked On. I am back. I am, of course, Scott Matla. If my voice sounds a little hoarse, I apologize. I have been uh, pouring and shouting at a beer festival for the last two days, pouring at an event there. So uh, I have done a lot of talking in the last couple of days. The weather is also not great in Buffalo, which is not good for anything else here. Uh, 
Uh, before anyone asks, yes, we are safe, secure inside. I did not attempt to travel anywhere unlike the last couple snowstorms because I am not an idiot anymore. Uh, usually on Monday, we do three up and three down where we pick three bad thing down things that are happening in this organization or around the league and whatnot. And then on the upside at the end of the show to end on a positive note, changing the format a little bit this week because I don't want to be overly negative in here. I haven't been really upset with the way the Habs have been playing overall. The Sharks game, notwithstanding, because that was terrible and awful, and I never want to see it again, is that I've got two things that I want to talk about in the down segment here. So it might be a little bit shorter, but I've got so much to cover prospect and rocket-wise in the up section that I want to make sure it's given its due. So I want to jump right into it. On the downside, I know Josh Anderson scored a late goal against the Sharks to make it look like a game. After that little hot streak in December there, uh, I haven't seen Josh Anderson. And that's a problem for a team that is desperately crying out for some form of secondary scoring. Rafael Harvey-Pinard coming back is great. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. And I think he's a really good complimentary piece. He's getting paid, I think, around a million dollars. Josh Anderson's making several million dollars, plays in the top six exclusively, and I just, I haven't seen him. And it's the story of saying, and yes, every scorer is a streaky scorer, unless you're, you know, Connor McDavid or whatever. I am, I'm, I was kind of ignoring the whole Kent Hughes missed his window with Josh Anderson. He should have traded him last year, even if it was just a first and nothing else. I, I'm buying more and more into that, that if they get any offers for Josh Anderson going into this trade deadline, this offseason, this draft, whatever, that they should take them and they should take them immediately. And it's not that I think that Josh Anderson can't be a useful player. It's just, he doesn't fit the system of this team. And far too often, I don't notice him until he's just overthinking things a little bit. We know that Anderson's bread and butter speed power, the Jeremy Clarkson offense, just more power, just put your hammer down on there and go and on breakaways and like partial breaks and chances that he's alone in net, he's trying to finesse it. Josh, your game is not finesse. Your game is you're skating fast and you're putting all that momentum into your snapshot, into your wrist shot there to generate all that power on the rush. Instead, and I think it was against the Sharks, he gets a breakaway and I'm going to go, he's going to rip it. He's going to go right glove side on that and he's going to rip it high. And he tries to go to his backhand and lift a backhand. That's not your game. You are not a backhand scorer. You have never been a backhand scorer. Nick Suzuki can score on the backhand. Cole Caulfield can score on the backhand. Occasionally, Brendan Gallagher scores on the backhand. Rafael Harvey, Jesse Olin, guys who have a little bit more wrinkle to their game. We know that Josh Anderson is getting into a slot wheelhouse, you know, in that slot there, hammering pucks on a one-timer, or on the rush, with all that momentum behind him, loading up a heavy wrist shot and just trying to blow it by goalies. A howitzer, not a sniper rifle, uh, if that makes sense there. Use the gifts that you have. Use the power behind that. And I know he's on the injured list, and I'm hoping this isn't related to uh, that really wonky knee injury that we saw in Dallas that looked like season over. Came back for a few games after that. Obviously scored against the Sharks there, but I'm worried that 
maybe the knee injury wasn't bad enough to slow him down there, but playing on it made it worse, which again, why? Uh, I really want to see him kind of figure it out, but I'm getting more and more concerned. It's just not a thing that's going to happen at this point. Uh, if Hughes can get a deal to, you know, have someone take that contract at full value, I think you move that. I think you absolutely move that as soon as possible. Uh, moving on to the other down segment. Normally, I would talk about the Habs or something else in this. Um, I mostly keep my opinions on other teams' fan bases to myself unless they're doing something particularly egregious. Uh, this whole Cutter Goche thing has so far jumped the shark that it's come back the other way and the jet ski that they are jumping the shark is on fire and made of like bottle rockets and Mountain Dew. It's so ridiculous. Uh, I, I, I haven't been able to fully read all the details on everything, but he made it, you know, due to some family choices, something changing within the organization. And yes, he didn't handle it the best way, but maybe not talking to the front office of the flyers. And I get that. And Laura and I talked about this, that it's like, hey, we don't want to sign you now when you want to sign. It sends some mixed messages to a guy who is a younger player. He's only 19. Uh, and he comes back from World Juniors, gold medal with all of his teammates at Boston College. And what's the first thing that happened? Flyers fans buying up tickets to go there and just boo him for whatever reason. And it's like, wow, you're really making him you know, regret not doing this. Uh, and then there's the guy on Twitter who went through the tour of the BC Hockey Arena uh, and went up to his locker and took a photo with his son with, you know, middle fingers at his name. You're a grown man, and it's a 19-year-old child. What are you doing? Like, if you were, you know, another teenager, maybe I could understand that. You're immature. I get it. I did dumb things like that, too. You're a grown man with a child, and this is what you're doing, and you think that for whatever reason, your behavior is okay? Shut up. Just no. Embarrassing. If I were your kid and I look back at that, I'd go, my dad's a loser. And it is. Yeah, he didn't sign with you. It sucks. But for a fan base who got gifted Eric Lindros because he didn't want to play for the Quebec Nordiques, I don't really – there's a deeper irony here. Just some of the outcry I've seen that it's like, and this goes all the way back to people making up rumors and then Kevin Hayes having to deal with death threats to John Tortorella in a press conference after the Habs game, calling out the reporter who did that and absolutely putting him six feet in the ground. I highly recommend you go watch that clip if you haven't seen it yet. Torts isn't always my favorite person in the world, but what he did standing up for a player that isn't even his player anymore is an endearing thing and makes me understand why people want to play for Tortorella. Most of the other people seem to have moved on from this. The people who are treating this like they've been aggrieved, like uh, horrendously aggrieved by this, should get over themselves at this point. Uh, he's a 19-year-old kid. This is not the end of the world. You're going to be fine. Your team's on a heater, like just behind the Rangers, and you're focused on this still. Let it go. I it's and I know the, the Habs fans saying to let a trade go with acrimonious circumstances. Yeah, I realize that. Uh, just some of the outcry I've seen has been so uh, childish and just quite frankly stupid, really stupid. 
Uh, if you ever find yourself as a full-grown adult touring a locker room and you see a player's thing you don't like and you take a middle finger photo next to it, uh, maybe reconsider things in your life, all honestly. Uh, I'm going to move on from the down segment now, though. I want to get into some of the gooder, the gooder stuff, my word, uh, some of the better stuff around the Canadians organization this week. we got a lot of rocket talk, a lot of prospect talk, and some flowers for some of the unsung heroes on the Habs, and that's all coming up next. And today's show is also brought to you by the folks at Game Time. The holidays might be over, but with the NFL playoffs in full swing, hockey in, in season, the NBA in season, and baseball season only a couple months away, it, you're, you're going to want to start loading up on tickets for events. And like anyone else, I've struggled having to buy tickets for events. I want to go to a wrestling show. I want to go to a concert. Sometimes you're wading through miles and miles of hidden fees, you know, poor seat choices. All that's a thing in the past now with game time. They offer last-minute ticket deals, flash deals, zone deals. You can see the view from your seats when you go to buy your tickets. And the best part is there's no hidden fees. The price you see is the price that you will pay with game time. So take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first order. Some terms may apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. We are back. We're going to wrap the show here with a uh, an expanded three up. I wrote four up in the uh, show description. I don't know if it's going to be four or five. It might be more than that. Uh, math was never my strong suit to begin with. Uh, And we're going to start with the Laval Rocket. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the week that uh, rookie defenseman Logan Mayu has been named to the AHL All-Star team. Uh, We kind of mentioned it in passing with the injuries and everything else going on. I realized I should do my due diligence and allow folks to understand some of the progression that's there. Uh, The Rocket have been going because their defense of younger players and some of their veterans have really kind of meshed. And part of that is Arbor Jacki joining the team after his injury, finding steadiness on a pairing with Logan Mayu as the Rockets' top pairing has done wonders for that team. There was a point that Mayu was double digits in the minus. He's down to minus six on the season here. In every game, more and more of a net positive. There are still some defensive wrinkles, but more and more I'm seeing someone with better decision-making in their own end. And you can go back when we previewed this and people asked about this. My concern, it will always was, what will his defensive play transition to at the AHL level? And it started rough, and so did the Rocket. They could not find pairings that worked uh, to save their life when the season started. And now that they kind of have settled into that, we're seeing the best of what uh, Mayu can do here. Since his pairing with Jack, I'm looking one assist, two assist. One assist, one goal, one assist, one assist, two assist, one goal, one goal, one goal. It's helped the power play, and it's helped their five-on-five offense a lot there. Uh, like I said, Jinyak and Wa would have been my top picks originally, but my was up to 22 points in 35 games. One of the top rookie defensemen scores in the league, and I think among even just rookie scores, he's up there pretty well. The defensive game is still coming along. There's still work to be done and decision-making, but it is progressing. And if you are a Canadians fan and you're looking at the AHL and wondering, 
you know, is this worth it? Should we just send our guys to the NHL, keep them in juniors or in Europe longer? This is the progression you want to see. Joshua Watt came in, lit it up, moved up. We're looking at Mayu doing that now. We're seeing Jack I take that next level. We saw it with Jaden Struble this year who came in, and I thought, oh, a little bit of time in the AHL this year. Maybe he pushes for a spot at the end of the year, and now he's an NHL regular for defenseman, not a forward. My apologies. Uh, and that's a good thing. And a big part of why this Rocket team is having its resurgence, and I haven't looked at the standings yet, but uh, wow, they have moved up to fourth in the AHL North Division. They are in a playoff spot. They're on a 6-0-1 winning streak right now, and they're 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. One of the hottest teams in the AHL right now. Uh, they find themselves just two points behind the Belleville Senators. Uh, Cleveland is running away with this division with 48 points, but the Rocket are in the thick of it. But, of course, the North Division is separated by this much. Uh, they are also two points away from being out of a playoff spot at this point right now. Uh, they're one of the top-scoring teams in the AHL, and the thing is, the veterans on this team have found their footing in a way that you want. Leah Sanderson coming back from injury has done wonders. He's been on a hot streak since coming back. A huge power play guy gives them another double digit uh, goal score there. And I want to take a look at uh, the player stats for this team here, just because I think it's important to kind of look at it uh, overall. Joshua Wild Joshua leads the team with 12 goals. Brandon Giniak has 11. Leah Sanderson has 11. Philippe Maillet has been a fantastic secondary scorer now. He's up to eight goals, 17 assists. Logan Mayu has eight goals. Sean Farrell has six goals. Riley Kidney has six goals. Jan Nishak has six goals. Uh, Toby Pacat Bisson has five goals. Xavier Simino has four. Uh, Emil Heineman, four, four goals, five assists in 12 games. The biggest thing here, and it's not going to show up on the score sheet, is the veteran players on this team. So Elias Anderson, a Philippe Maillet, Brandon Gignac uh, on defense, Toby Paquette, and even William Trudeau now, who's still a younger guy and a prospect, but a veteran, them finding their footing has allowed this Rocket team to thrive so much more. Uh, the goaltender side of things, uh, Kazimir Kaskisuo has a 3-0-0 record. Uh, I'm just let me get down here. Yeah, and he's got a 943 save percentage. He's 3-0-0. Jakob Dobish has been playing much better as of late. I know he lost uh, his last start there. 10-6-4 on the season after starting it with like one win in his first like eight games. All of those things are coming together at the right time. The Rocket are finally looking like the team that we hoped they would be. And they are doing this without Mitchell Stevens, who is one of their top centers, without Joshua Wanau. Sean Farrell is on the injured list. Gabriel Bork just came back. Brady Keeper is on the injured list as well. And also probably without Emil Heineman for stretches of this too. And maybe Jaden Struble hasn't been there. Where would you put him now? I It's hard to say because all the pairings are playing so well. Uh, just really good things with the Rocket there. And keeping on the prospect train as well. Owen Beck has nine points in three games with Saginaw since his trade went through. Yeah, and if you don't follow Lauren Kelly from Elite Prospects on Twitter, she's phenomenal with this and that. She brought up, and I think it was also David St. Louis who brought up this point, is that even good players need support systems. Unless you are, you know, Connor McDavid and you have the Thanos, I'll do it myself ability. A guy like Owen Beck, despite being a really solid player, is going to need help. If he doesn't get support and everything, he is constantly needing 
to do so much that there's so much pressure, teams hone in on him, and nothing is going right there. The system in Peterborough did not fit his game like it did in Mississauga. And yes, in Saginaw, he's playing on what is now effectively a super team. That's that's okay because, you know, why not? He's still performing at a high level on that team there. Uh, he's allowed to play his game a little bit more freedom offensively to dig into that. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, Saginaw's offense is scary. and they're going to try and win the OHL title. They're already hosting the Memorial Cup, so they're in there, and they're still going for it. They want to win a Memorial Cup in their home city like every host team does. Uh, a scary, scary group there. Uh, I got to watch more of Owen Beck now that he's out of Peterborough because watching Peterborough was a chore uh, in some of these games here. Uh, Lane Hudson, Boston University, continued to be very good. Jacob Fowler continues to be the only goalie for Boston College, which is wild to me, but I don't run a top 25 college D1 hockey program, so what do I know? Uh, to move on and kind of wrap up the show here, I want to give shout-outs to two NHL players, and this is specific to the Oilers game. Samuel Montembeau has been full value for his contract. He's up to 909 save percentage on the year. I know he lost the game. I don't mean he lost the game, but he was the losing goalie in that game against the Oilers. He's also one of the few reasons it wasn't a blowout or why the Sharks game wasn't a blowout. A lot of people were wondering, is he worth the money? Why do we pay this money? He is the ideal start, that bridge gap goalie right there. That And if they get to the last year and Jacob Fowler or Jakob Dobish or whomever is ready to take that next step forward there, and Montembeau still playing at a decently high level, you collect a ransom basically for that at the end of his contract there. He's only got, it's three years kicks in next year. And I think he'll just be turning 30 in that time. So a team looking for a one B backup, you know, temp starter could be that guy, but that's way, way down the road. Uh, and Jake Evans against the Oilers. Uh, he was in McDavid's head and yeah, the counting numbers aren't going to look great. It's Connor McDavid, but you've got McDavid initiating contract contact, flopping, getting a penalty all because Jake Evans is playing him so hard in that game. Uh, Sportsnet didn't show this replay. Uh, they were too busy mispronouncing Samuel Montembeau's name all night. But uh, late in the third period, I believe Evans had just come out of the box after his interference penalty on McDavid. And there's a puck. He is down low covering you know the bottom third of the, uh, the Habs defensive zone. And a puck comes on. It looks like Leon Dreisaitl is going to step into the slot and just hammer the shot by Samuel Montembeau. And just out of nowhere, you see Jake Evans diving, poke check by that. He was throwing the body around real hard out there. I think Jake Evans is playing in a role that's above his pay grade, but he's still giving his all on every shift. I will always root for Jake Evans. He's one of those really good AHL success stories for the team. Rafael Harvey Pennard's going to be one as well there. Really impressed with what I've seen from him. I hope that the Habs can find a center to really fill in there and allow Jake to get more into his bag there uh, in that bottom six role. I thought he's played really well. Uh, the points aren't always going to be there. It's, that's not his game. But honestly, uh, I'm going to put Evans on my up list. I thought he's been great uh, for what he's being asked of for that. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show today, though. I want to know your three up and three down. Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. Uh, you can send emails to LockdownCanadians at gmail.com as well. 
You can tweet me at Scott Matla. Remember to find us wherever you find your daily podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify. We post at midnight every day, unless extenuating circumstances, of course. And tell all your friends we are on YouTube.com to search Locked On Canadian, then you will find us there. Check out the Locked On Sports Today national channel, 24-7 stream of all of our local experts. I'll be back after the Avs game, folks. Until then, see y'all next time.